Welcome to the Rural Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Dana Larson, and today we're bringing you a great conversation with Amy Luke, who is the go-to realtor in central Iowa. Amy has a very unique perspective of both the rural and urban markets in her area. We talk a lot about different types of communities in Iowa. This morning we so are you may just want to have your maps Iowa at handy because there's a lot to learn from this conversation. And I really think you're going to walk away from this with a head full of ideas. glad to have you here and we're excited to get your thoughts and input on what's going on in the real estate market and how we can leverage that for small communities. Hello, thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about you and why you decided to become a realtor. Well, I grew up in a small town in western Iowa called Coon Rapids and it was a great little place to live. I went to college at Iowa State University for with a degree in marketing and my first job out of college was with Maytag Corporation I was working in their sales department and actually knew that that community was so it's funny now as you're we're talking about this today that community was so dependent on a single industry and call it intuition call it I don't know what you call it but I knew buying a house in Newton was maybe not in my best interest. So I actually bought a house in Ankeny and commuted to rural Iowa. So I kind of did the opposite of what everybody else was doing. And um, about two months into my career there, Maytag announced that they were um, going out of business. So I was really, really lucky. Um, So anyway, I stuck it out there. It was a great company and all of the people from that community were just so amazing. And um, so I stuck it out. But through that process of being introduced to the real estate world, I was very intrigued and decided that maybe that was my next career path. So while I was finishing things at Maytag, got my real estate license. And then when um, they finally closed the doors, I was ready to start my real estate business. So that would have been back in 2005, late 2005. Uh, So I started selling that next year and uh, the market was, it was hopping. Um, It was, it was a really fun time and kind of grew my business, but knowing for myself that I was approaching having kids and so in 2008, coincidentally, we had our son in May or March of 2008. And then the later that year was the big infamous crash, right? Um, definitely my husband and I felt, feel now that that was all part of God's plan for us. And so we had always kind of talked and dreamed about moving our family back to where we were both from in Western Iowa to the Carroll area and raising our kids back there. And so when that all happened, it felt very purposeful. And we thought, if we're going to do this, let's try it now. And so we moved back to my family farm in Coon Rapids and actually on the family farm in the house that I grew up in, the 100-year-old house. And we lived there for five years where we had not only Brayden, but then welcomed our daughter. And I stayed at home with them full time. My husband worked in the near nearby major metro of Carroll. <laughs> <laughs> and we had a beautiful start to our family there. We loved it. The hard part was, though, when I was approaching getting ready to go back to work, like what what did that look like? Where did the opportunities, where do we see our career path? And I was really missing the real estate world. So we decided for our family that we were ready to move back toward Des Moines. Uh, We love a lot of things about Des Moines, but it doesn't feel like my soul home. It feels like my new home. But we kind of, so we took, the kids and I took the summer before we moved and we submerged ourselves in different communities. So I sold real estate all around central Iowa. There are a lot of great communities, a lot of great places to live, a lot of great neighborhoods, but it was totally different than when I was thinking about myself and where I wanted to put my family and raise my children. 
So we took the summer and we took our little 1974 pop-up camper around to these different communities and our bikes. And we rode around to the ice cream shops, checked out the libraries, met with a few schools and looked at the local markets, the local real estate markets of, you know, what types of homes they had and where, where we could really just see ourselves. And we narrowed it down to a few. And ultimately, we settled on Adele um, for a couple of different reasons. It felt closer to my soul home. It felt like a rural community and the fact that it was built on the backbone of farmers and hardworking people. Mm -hmm. And although it was changing, it still, it, it had that familiar, um, energy to it. It had the cute downtown square, the brick streets and all these beautiful, quaint little things. But ultimately it was the people, uh, everywhere we went, we'd, I of course have no problem asking people questions. So (laughs) I would ask, what do you love? Do you love living here? What do you not like? Uh-huh. You know, what's your favorite? Do, do people wave at each other? Like, I just wanted something so familiar for my kids because I loved growing up that way. And yes. I wanted my kids to experience where, you know, people do the two-winger wave, farmer's wave. Yes. Driving down the highway, you know. And so we just, it just really felt like home. The, the final um, determining factor was meeting with the school and um, hearing their philosophies on uh, teaching and just it just matched what we were looking for so we found our first home uh it took a while but we found it and we were ne- we were nestled in kind of the older part of Adel and I went back to work um for a while and started with the association the Iowa Association of Realtors thought I'd try the nine to five gig but quickly realized that I was just too close to my real passion, which was helping people buy and sell real estate and taking good care of them. So about nine months into it, I decided to reactivate my real estate license. And as they say, the rest is history. Yeah. And so living in Adele, you've been able to serve both the Des Moines metro area and then smaller towns out this way west of Des Moines. Yeah. I think the nice thing is just being so involved in the Des Moines market Um, you know, I, I love to serve all types of people in all of central Iowa. Um, but there definitely is a different feel to kind of that, um, what I call the outlying communities, the kind of bubbling rural, uh, changing and growing and adapting communities. There's just something that I can recognize a little bit with that. And just being somebody who loves, innovation and marketing and having ideas and connecting business people. I just, I love being a part of that and trying to help, um, put people together both in, in their home life, you know, both finding Mm -hmm. the right home for them, but also where they're going to build their life. You know, I look at the whole picture of, you know, when Ty and I moved to Adele, it wasn't just about the house. It wasn't about that. And I realized so much of that, of what I saw in myself is in so many other people and they're not just looking for a home anymore. Yeah. They're looking for the street block parties and they're looking for the cool, uh, walking trails and biking paths and restaurants. And you know, it's, it's It's a lifestyle. Yeah. It's buying a community. It's buying a, a home outside of just your four walls. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, I can recognize that in a lot of people. And honestly, I think, birds of a feather, you know, um, that's who I am. And so I think there's a lot of people that are gravitating to that same kind of philosophy of they want, they love all the activity and all the amazing things that are in Des Moines and want to be a part of that, but they're looking for something just a little bit more of what they experienced growing up. Definitely. So Adele is a small town outside of Des Moines that is rapidly growing. It has an influx Mm -hmm. of people wanting to move away from the city. Mm -hmm. Help everyone listening understand the real estate market here. So um, Adele saw what a lot of rural towns experienced, um, you know, decline or stagnant growth. You know, I think the farther out you get from any um, bustling 
metro, you know, and I mm-hmm. think there are little, I think there, Des Moines, obviously one of our, our larger ones, but there's mm-hmm. lots of them like the Fort Dodges and the Jeffersons and the Carrolls and, yes. you know, a lot of those around Iowa. And I think the farther you get out into the really rural areas, a lot of those communities are seeing the decline and then some are the stagnant. And then you get the closer you get to those inner circles, they're seeing the increase. So I think Adele sat at a stagnant, maybe a slight decline for a long time. And um, it was kind of a perfect storm of things that came together for Adele's growth. Um, Because of that stagnant growth, the city was trying to in get you know foster some activity and foster some growth the schools were needing you know wanting some more students and just amenities and all those kinds of things so they initiated a tax abatement program a very aggressive tax abatement program and in 2010 they started a seven-year full tax abatement uh it did take a couple of years for that to gain some speed and momentum which is understandable at as I mentioned, uh, working for the state association, I prepared statistical analysis for the whole state and then specifically for the Des Moines market. So that's where I was when that was all happening as I was looking at those numbers statewide and both local and looking at the market. And basically it took until about 2014 for our numbers to get back to where they were pre-recession, pre-2008. So no one was growing. Mm-hmm. No one was building. Everything was just either declining or stagnant. So Adele was trying to get some momentum going. So I, they started this tax abatement program. And in 2012 is really where we started to see a little bit of um, progression. Mm-hmm. And then by 2014, the whole economy was doing so much better. And Adele really was no exception to that. Um, 2015, that, you know, development takes a while. So when they started the tax abatement, it takes a while for a developer to acquire the land, to put in the infrastructure, and then to parcel off the lots and sell the lots, and then the builder to build the house. I mean, it doesn't just happen overnight. So that was all kind of working behind the scenes while the market was coming back. And so all of a sudden it was ready. The, these developments were ready for build mm-hmm. at the same time that buyers were ready to build. Interest rates were low. The economy was back. It was doing better. So it was just this perfect storm of mm-hmm. amazing. Like, and, and I think there were so many people that during the recession were just like us. You know, they were just doing what they needed to do to get by yeah. and, and continuing to, to work hard, but being smart about investments and now it was time for a change and so people were ready for a change they're ready for a new house and I think uh, my personal experience I think a lot of the people that moved to Adele moved out from what we call the burbs here the suburbs Mm -hmm. we've got the inner Des Moines area the greater Des Moines area and then we've got um all of the suburban uh communities on the outer outer edges of that and in my experience, a lot of our people moved out from the burbs, um, seeking all kinds of things, but smaller schools, mm-hmm. um, seeking that smaller community feel. Uh, obviously, the tax abatement was a nice incentive. I think a lot of them were kind of considering, kind of like Tyler and I, um, where they were considering a few different communities and that tax abatement just kind of maybe gave them that extra nudge. But I have met so many people that said they moved here despite it. I mean, Mm -hmm. they built outside of city limits or they would have moved here anyway. So that's really great. Um, so we've seen a lot of growth. We've seen, um, our population increase. Um, the city is working, has been working on a lot of things behind the scenes because with growth comes a lot of change. So, got to be ready for that (laughs) (laughs) ready or not Uh so the city um I got really involved with the city trying to help make some plans of both how to grow um the school how to grow the streets how to grow the infrastructure how to grow our land use where where we're gonna go and planning for the future we're we just got done wrapping up a year-long community visioning project which which was really amazing um 
so lots of things are happening and buzzing. Um, and I think we're going to continue to see growth. And I think we're going to continue to see growth because people are just seeking to, for that, that lifestyle. For that lifestyle. Yeah. 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 So you're obviously experiencing a lot of new construction mm-hmm. and growth that way. Mm-hmm. What about, you've also mentioned to me that people are desiring rural properties as well. So it's kind of this mix yeah. of both. Well, and I think the the whole new construction, that's happening across the board. Yeah. Every every suburban area in our market. So Ankeny, West Des Moines, Urbandale, Waukee. Waukee's seen explosive growth as well. So everyone is seeing new construction. And if you think about it, kind of that if somebody wants to build a house, that's where they have to go. That's where the open land is. Mm-hmm. So that's where that urban sprawl, that suburban comes from mm-hmm. is because that's the next place that they can develop. So I think that's why we're seeing such huge growth in these burbs and then the outlying community. Mm-hmm. So one thing I always like to watch is where are people moving to acreages? Because if you look historically, if you look at the communities that have seen this last big bubble of growth. So for example, Waukee, 20 years ago, Waukee was this tiny little town, an outlying community, yep. ag community, little triangle square. But if you look at what was growing 20 years ago in Waukee, it was the acreages. If you look now, you're seeing a lot of 20, 25 year old acreages coming up for sale. You know, families, young families were moving to those areas to raise their families. And so you see different rural developments and different acreages. And there's a, there's quite a few out there. Yes. And now I'm seeing that exact same thing happen in the Adels, in the Earlums. And, and part of it is, well, actually, I think Earlum might be kind of the next one because that's mm-hmm. kind of kind of what happens, too, is property values will increase the more you're in that inner circle in that inner target your property values are going to kind of level off so Adele kind of hit that central Iowa price point in 2015 you know it was kind of it was a little more economically savvy to move to Adele I mean prices were a little bit lower so we could draw in people that were looking for a price point where now in like 2015 it started being more comparative to what we were seeing in central Iowa. So now that inner circle kind of goes out a little further. So mm-hmm. if people want more space, they're going to have to go a little bit farther or they're going to have to pay top dollar. So I start to watch where are people going on for acreages, small acreages, large acreages, both. And now we kind of have to go, if somebody has a, a tighter budget, they're having to go past Adele. So where are they going? They're going to the next things or they're going north or they're going south. I mean, it's not just Adele. It's happening all all around, around. Um, but they're going just a little bit farther. And the interesting thing is they're able to. This is where it feels so different now than it ever has because it used to be, well, I want to be within 20 minutes of X location, whether it was downtown or West Des Moines or wherever I worked, because I don't want a large commute. Now it's, I want to be within so many miles or so many minutes because that's where I shop and that's where I, you know, I go for entertainment and it's less about the job. It's more about where I want to live because of this digital age that we live in. There are so many people that can telecommute. There are so many people that can work from home. Um, so one question that we're now asking all acreage buyers is internet capacity. Is that a huge issue for you? Because being, being on a farm in rural Iowa, I know that satellite internet is spotty and expensive. So (laughs) if somebody needs to work from home, satellite internet might not cut it. If somebody is just, you know, they just need to check Facebook. Okay then we don't need to worry about it so much. But if somebody is going to, you know, work remote, they need something a little, a little bit better. So that's one thing that we're watching is and experiencing is that ability to telecommute. So those are all things that we're watching, things that we've never seen before. I don't feel like I've ever experienced this movement of 
wanting to live and work and play in rural, like those outlying areas. It's mm-hmm. not just a bedroom community anymore. I think for a while it was, it was yeah. a bedroom community kind of thing. And now it's no, I want to, I want to reinvest in my community. I want to shop local. I want to, do they have a farmer's market? I mean, we're getting all kinds of questions, which have never happened. So it's fun. It's different. It's exciting. And I just, I get it. I Uh lived it. So not only am I seeing it professionally, but I lived that, you know? And so it's fun. It's fun to see that. So I've heard and seen that the real estate market in Des Moines is really strong. Mm -hmm. What are trends that you're seeing? Mm -hmm. So the Des Moines market has been really strong the past uh, few years. I'd say the past four years uh, when things started coming back just as a, as a whole across the country and across Iowa. But one thing that I've noticed um, is that strong urge for small acreages, small acreages, Mm -hmm. Um, not a hobby farm, you know, just a a small acreage where somebody can have a couple of chickens and, you know, maybe a horse or two and maybe some hobby uh, 4-H cattle for their kids and and 4-H animals um so small acreages anywhere from an acre to five to ten the struggle with that though is the price point um you know because we are so close to the Des Moines area and land values have gone up so much it's hard it's hard to find those small acreages and they go fast um so one thing that we have to really be aware of is what you're willing to give and get, uh, and to be really on point and be, you know, making sure that you have a good agent that's really working hard and watching for you because they go fast wow. and they go for top dollar. Um, I, I honestly, if I had, if I had 50 small acreages at various price points, mm-hmm. you know, that's the other thing. There is a market for all of them. Wow. There is a market for the one acre that's bare, has nothing, no trees, just far, just an old field. Mm-hmm. There's a market for that. There is a market for the two to five acre with a few outbuildings. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I was to one last week where there's an old farmhouse and some outbuildings, and uh, somebody improved the house. Um, they did a lot of work and improved it. Honestly for what they put into it, I could have seen for return on investment, they might have been better to bulldoze the old house as sad as that makes me because I love <laughs> old farmhouses, but there is a market, a huge market for people that want to build. They want, they want the amenities mm-hmm. of a new home, but they want that feeling of home, the you old know, farm the place. old farm place or building something that looks old. Yeah. So there. I would say my biggest piece of advice for any acreage owner right now is don't do anything until you've talked to an agent. Mm -hmm. Um, I am very big on return on investment. And if I can't guarantee that you're going to get a return on your investment, so whether that's fixing up your house or whether that's tearing down an outbuilding, I mean, all those things cost money. So if I can't get a return and I think that it might be smarter to leave that outbuilding and market towards somebody that's looking for an outbuilding and leave the house mm-hmm. alone or fix up the house and tear down the dilapidated. You know, there's just a different market for all of it. There's a market for tree acreages. There's a market for people that don't want trees. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, water, an extra water source on the property. Uh, I've had more questions of, well, we'd like an acreage, but we want it to have either a pond or a river. They want secondary water sources. So I, all kinds of things. I mean, there's just a little bit of everything that people are looking for. There's no acreage that isn't marketable right now. I will tell you that if it is anywhere within our little bubble and our bubble is getting bigger when it comes to acreages, the bubble is getting bigger. People are willing to either commute or they can telecommute now. And so the distance from these little um, metro areas around Iowa, the Ames, Des Moines, Carroll, the bubble, the, the outer circle is getting bigger. So there's a market for it all. And the biggest piece of advice is just partnering with a really great local realtor, local realtor, 
you know, and if you ever need somebody, call me, I'll find you one in the area because Carol is my home, right? Yeah. I know a lot about that place, but I'm not a local realtor there. Mm-hmm. I, I'm from there and I'll set you up with a really awesome realtor there. But finding a local expert in your area is crucial. One of the things that, um, one of the advantages with that, of finding that local expert expert is them possibly knowing of people that are considering buying or considering selling and can make those matches and those connections early on. Um, cause once those, once those acreages hit the market, you gotta be on it. You gotta be on your game and get after it. Cause they'll, they'll, if they're priced right, they'll go quick. That's the other thing we're seeing is the pricing strategies. Okay. Um, I think, too, real estate is very time sensitive. So right now, everything that we're talking about is indicative of what the snapshot is right now. Mm-hmm. Real estate changes um, very quickly sometimes. So what we're seeing right now, although very strong and pricing is you know at its peak, that can change pretty quickly. Um, if anyone wants an example look at 2008. I mean, that's prime. You know, everything was hot, hot, hot. And then it was like light switch. Um, I hope, and I don't think that that's going to happen again, but you know, that whole, this is a snapshot of what's going on right now. Slight interest rate changes could impact that. You know, really what I, I see the strongest acreage, um, the strongest acreage pool that people are looking for is the small affordable, the startup acreage, not the executive acreage. You know, they're looking for, it's kind of that first time family home buyer, what I call it. So one partner opened a house, other partner opened a house, they've sold their houses, and now they're looking for the place to raise their family. That's the type of acreage that I am seeing the biggest need for. Um, You know, there's a need for all of them. I have plenty of empty nesters that are looking for acreages. So it's everywhere. But I think that affordable, the affordability of the acreage is really what um, is the strongest pool that I'm seeing right now. Interesting. Yeah. And it changes. You know, like I said, interest rates, it's so budget and financially grounded that slight changes and what happens on a bigger level could really change that. Um, things that happen with their job, you know, I mean, it's just, there's a lot more impacting those people's financial investments than just, I want to buy an acreage. Yep. So there's a lot more factors than just the price and the fact that it's an acreage yeah. that come into play when somebody's thinking about buying a property like that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the things that are affecting it can be the internet capacity, the location, um, even probably like highway versus gravel road, highway versus we have a search criteria. And it's one of the things I ask acreage buyers, are you willing to be on gravel? Some of them say no. Yeah. And they'll pay a premium to not be on gravel. Um, some are willing to, to get a little bit more space. So lots of different things that people are looking for on the acreage uh, criteria mm-hmm. for sure. Travel accessibility, you know, so is it located on a major corridor? Is it easy to get to and from work if they are going into the office, if they are going into the city? Uh, you know, I've even had a few that are uh, area salespeople or area tech in the technical field, you know, working on the for the railroad or. So they're not necessarily wanting to be close to Des Moines, but they want to be close to major um, road artery arteries so that they can easily commute to wherever they are going. Mm-hmm. So, you know, being like where I lived eight miles of gravel to get you to your nearest highway, uh-huh. that one might be a little harder sell, right. but something that's a mile off of a major highway that then shoots to an interstate, that's a little highly sought after. So there's lots of things that people are looking for. Again, there's a market for it all. You know, I I say this across the board. It doesn't matter if you're looking um, at a 
tiny little one bedroom condo or a 10 acre property, there is a market for all of it. It's just positioning it in the pre- in the market properly. Yeah. Which is price. Yeah. Price is king. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things I love about you, Amy, is that you really have your finger on the pulse of, you know, what is happening in the more urban metro area, but also in these rural communities because you are a farm girl yourself and mm-hmm. you, you love that kind of thing. As people start to have opportunities to come live in these small communities again or these growing smaller communities, what do you think are some of the main things that are a draw? Because I'm sure these are discussions you have with your clients. You know, how important is it to have a grocery store in Mm -hmm. your local town? What are other things that are important to people that could be opportunities for our small towns to start thinking about and to capitalize on as we're seeing more and more of this happen? Sure. Well, a couple of things that come to my mind when you ask that question is, um, first of all, I think there is a huge pool of people that went to college to further their education and now have a massive amount of student loan debt. Yeah. Student loan debt is second to your home mortgage debt. And so for a while, moving back to rural Iowa wasn't an option. You had to move to where the career opportunities are. But now in this digital era of being able to work from home, being able to start your online business, yes. you know, that's something new. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all these different opportunities that people can pursue. And I just honestly, I feel like there's this bubbling of entrepreneurialism. Yes. And, ev- and everybody wants a taste of it. And it's, you know, watching Chip and JoJo and uh-huh. the, their massive empire, right? I mean, it's watching people like that and say, they did it. I want to do that. Yeah. And so I think there's an obvious though, maybe a slightly smaller scale because they're a Mecca empire. Yeah. And but, in Waco. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think there's this uh, draw to gain a piece of history gain a piece of that emotional connection to the land. I mean, we're Iowans mm-hmm. at the end. Of, I don't care where you grew up in Iowa. You're an Iowan. And there is a connection to agricultural roots. life yeah. and roots and to the farm. I mean, that's what our whole backbone is. You know, I'm in real estate now, but you know what? I grew up on a farm and even if you didn't grow up on a farm, you likely grew up on a farming community or knew someone that did, met somebody in college that did, right? So there's this connection to that. And I think people are seeking that. I think people are longing for communities and life, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing that I thought of when you asked me that question is what people are looking for in those communities. The difference is, I think the major difference is when our parents were growing up, right? And when we were growing up on our family farms, we were working outside. You know, we were getting up in the morning and going to do chores with Mm -hmm. our parents. And there was all kinds of work that needed to be done on the weekends, you know, and every weeknight and every morning in the summer, everyone was busy. We were picking up rocks and walking beans and doing all this stuff. Yeah. So we worked outside and a farmer works outside all the time. And I think the major difference is now in rural Iowa is there's not a lot of small farmers left. Right. Yeah. So they're working, they want to be part of that ag lifestyle and that farm feel, but they're working tech jobs yeah they're building an online crafting business Mm -hmm. right so they want to live in that community or they're working from home for wells fargo i mean i know lots of people that work an hour away and work for wells fargo one of des moines you know leading employers employers so what they're looking for in these small communities is life it's not just the place. It's what to do when I'm not stuck behind my computer all day. Because that's the amazing thing about this technology is we're all able to work wherever we want to and live wherever we want to because we can work from home. 
But then outside of those 40 hours, 50 hours a week, I want to live. I want to do stuff. And I don't want to drive to it. I want to be able to walk to it. I want to be able to ride my bike. I want to be able to go to the pool, take my kids to the pool. When I'm working from home I want, and I have an hour break, I want to be able to take them somewhere in my community and do something really fun. Mm-hmm. So I think small communities where they're going to have to maybe adapt and change and it is to embrace that history, but to change it a little bit and recognize that people are looking for outdoor recreation opportunities. Um, through the year-long process of community visioning in Adel, we did um, a lot of interviewing of community members and f- wanting to find out what they're looking for. And it's the number one thing that comes back is they want to be able to walk places, ride their bike places. They want to be able to go to parks, all kinds of different parks, access- handicap-accessible handicap parks, and it- all kinds of things, walking trails, biking trails, all of it. Yeah. Wow. If it's outdoor rec, people want it. Um, you look at what's going on in small towns everywhere. You got Charles city that they put in the whitewater park. Um, you've got Des Moines even looking at it. They're recognizing how do you attract millennials? Yeah. That's what they're looking for. They want to be outside. It's because we're all looking at a computer screen, right? And so when we don't have to be behind our computers and behind our desks, we want to be outside enjoying God's beautiful green earth, right? Yes. So Des Moines has done an amazing job. The city of Des Moines has done an amazing job at recognizing that. And they've invested a lot of money into their parks and rec plans. Um, They're looking at the water trail system, which is amazing. And if we're going to continue to increase our job pool in the Des Moines area, we've got to attract great candidates What are they looking for? They're not just looking for a good job. They're looking for the whole package, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So I think the small towns can kind of learn from that. I mean, let Des Moines Moines pay for that research and learn from that. It's not that much different. I think everyone thinks that Des Moines is so much different than my small town. It's not. It's not. Des Moines is a small town. Yeah. As much as we like to think that it's a huge city, it is in the grand scheme of things is a small town, you know, it's small town, Iowa, right? It's the Iowa nice. It is. And most people that I know in Des Moines grew up like you and I did in small towns. Yeah, exactly. And, and Des Moines is recognizing that and looking for what, looking at what people really want. So I think Des Moines has done a great job. So if you, if you're from a small town and you're not sure where to start, watch what they're doing, Mm -hmm. you know, city of uh, West Des Moines, city of Ankeny, you know, they're putting in extra wide sidewalks, you know, eight foot sidewalks because people want to be able to get out and ride their bikes with their kids and do things. You know, the other thing is we're in Iowa where a couple times a year it's too hot or too cold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when we can be outside, we want to soak it all in, you know, um, so small towns, I think, can learn from that and, and pay attention to what they're doing with, um, you know, those old spaces. Uh, I just saw a really amazing project that went over on in our on over in Grinnell. They turned their old brick schoolhouse that we all know is in all of our hometowns. Yeah. And they turned it into a hotel. Love it. And it is all um, themed on schoolhouse, right? So they took this huge building that was just sitting there and they said, what could we do with it? And there was this need in their community for lodging. And they said, okay, let's use it, right? So looking at what's in your town and what might attract somebody um, and then just finding other like-minded people, you know? And and so uh, I have a great partnership with, um, one of our local hospitals. And so when they're bringing, uh, prospective candidates, physicians in for interviews, they spend two to three hours getting a community tour with me, which is my favorite because they're not moving here yet. So I just get to share my love about Iowa and central Iowa with these candidates. It's so fun. So just kind of take them around and talk to them about, um, you know, the economic development piece of things. And where our growth is coming from and why and why we're strong and why you would want to build your practice here. Right. Um, And we talk about 
everything from downtown Des Moines all the way out to the acreages, right? Mm -hmm. But one of the things I always ask them is, you know, when they're trying to find their home, because these people a lot of times have never even been to Iowa, let alone Des Moines. So they know nothing. Okay. And and I love it because they're always (laughs) shocked when they get here. They're like, oh, yes. We have running water and electricity <laughs> here in Iowa. <laughs> but um, so it's really fun. Um, but one of the things I always ask them is, what do you, how do you live? You know, yeah. you work a lot of hours in a really stressful position. What do you do in your free time? And then we go around and try to match that with different communities, you know? So if they're, they love to kayak you know, I talked to them about the Raccoon River and the water trail access and the plans for the future. Or we talked to them about Sailorville Lake. You know, if they like to boat, then obviously we kind of go that direction or we go on the southeast side. So it's commutable to some of, you know, the Rathbun and those lakes on that side. Um, so just talking to them about what they're looking for and try to match those. And the really great thing is when I get those physicians and their spouses are young entrepreneurs, cause that's when I really get to dive in, um, and ask a lot of questions of where might be a good fit for their business. I had one that, um, she was a physician and he's a dentist and wanted to open up his own practice. So looking for communities where that might be underserved. You yeah. Know, some of these outlying communities where there used to be those services and because of that decline in population, they went away and now those communities are building and now those services are under, are underrepresented. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. The other thing that small towns could consider or could look to or entrepreneurs could look to is what did that community once have? Oh, that's a great question. You know, the vacant buildings on the downtown square, what used to be there? Because there's a good chance if that community is a lot like what we're seeing in kind of those outlying communities, that those services left because population declined. But if population is going to come back, you want to get in on the downturn. So if you're looking to open a business, what's a service that used to be needed and may come back and it might have to change a little bit. You know, I, yeah. I obviously farm and implement dealerships in every small town aren't probably going to come back. But if a smaller outlying community once had a drugstore and doesn't have a drugstore anymore, you know, drugstore in my hometown wasn't just where you went to fill your prescriptions. You also ran there to get a birthday card or a small birthday gift. So maybe yeah. a little gift shop, you kind of, you have to, change it a little bit and look. The other thing is the movement for shopping experiences. You know, so many people, the junking and the, you know, junk days and junk jubilees and junk tours. Some communities might see their proximity to a major metro as a weakness, that they might not be able to survive a business in their small community because they're too close to a major city. Like talking retail and stuff like retail, that. Retail, yeah. yeah. And I just see it as such a strength because I look at it as you are close to a huge population pool. Pull from them. Pull those people out to your community to shop and play and dine. Um, there are a couple of communities where if they have a really great shop or a really great restaurant, they're pulling. They're pulling from an hour away. Because people want an experience. Again, everyone's sitting behind a desk. And when I don't have to be behind my desk, I want to get out and I want to go do something and experience something. And so driving an hour with my family, if there's a great restaurant or a great shop, isn't that big of a deal anymore. So I think looking at it the other way is another opportunity that young entrepreneurs can can just change the way that you're thinking about it a little bit. And because of amazing platforms like Instagram and Facebook, and it's not as hard as it used to be to capture that audience. Right. So it's just, it's a different landscape now than ever before. And I think that's what makes it so exciting to watch these smaller communities kind of get their rebirth. Um, An example that I love, one of my favorite examples is up uh, in Lanesboro, Minnesota. 
Okay. Okay. So I had heard I'm very involved with the Raccoon River Valley Bike Trail, which is an amazing 89 mile trail that spans the old um, railroad in just west of Des Moines. And it's a continuous loop and it's amazing. And you should come visit anytime, anybody. But anyways, in some of those activities, I heard about this place called Lanesboro, Minnesota. And it's an old, an old railroad and they put bike trails on the old railroad and they also have a river. And so we, I just heard such amazing, amazing things. So last summer, my husband and I stopped and kids stopped in there and I stopped in the old grain mill, which has now been turned into a bed and breakfast, has the old grain elevator right in the lobby. And it's amazing. It's all rusty and you can see it go all the way up and all the way down. It's just so cool. But coincidentally, of course, I started asking questions and the owner was there and he's a second or third generation owner. And so I was asking him all kinds of questions. And he told me this amazing thing of that that city was founded because they thought it was going to be the last stop on that railroad. And they thought it was going to be a visitor destination. Like people were going to just ride the train to ride the train and get there. And then they could have be this like tourist destination. Right. And then I don't remember the year, but economy changed and the town died. Wow. For years, the town died until somebody said, let's, let's, have a rebirth of this community. And now like a hundred years later, it is living out its original purpose. I love that. Isn't it so cool? So I think so many towns could do that. You know, again, I look back to Coon Rapids, right? Coon Rapids was built on the backbone of Gar's company egg. Right. And so it has such an egg, like uh, feel and vibe to it. And then that all changes you know, changes. And now I feel like it could, it has the potential to kind of have that rebirth going. Gars, um, Gars Farms has dedicated like over 3000 acres back to natural resource. It's an Iowa great place. They went so many years without it being really well known. And now all of a sudden Garst, which was once known as a seed company is now known as an outdoor recreation area. So they took that and they changed it with the times right Mm -hmm. and we're only an hour it's only an hour from Des Moines so they are now pulling from where they once lost their people to how cool is that incredible you know for years everyone was moving from Coon Rapids to Des Moines or to the Des Moines area and now their resource of visitors are from they're pulling back from Des Moines they're pulling back that's great and the amazing opportunity is you get somebody that comes and visits a place like Gar's Farm Resorts and goes and does the um, kayaking and the canoeing and uh, horseback riding. And they have all these great activities. And it's some young millennial that wants to start up a business. And they say, you know what? I love to mountain bike. I can mountain bike every day. I want to live here. And then they go into town and they see, you know what? Real estate is really reasonable here. I could live here, reduce my costs, start up my business where they have fiber, reduce my whole overhead, be an hour from Des Moines. That's fine if I have an important meeting and live where I want to live. Sounds pretty amazing. Sounds amazing. <laughs> I can't do it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but somebody can. Yeah. Yeah. There's an opportunity right there. Right for there. Somebody. Right there. Somebody right there. Call me. I'll get you the hookup. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And there's so many of those opportunities out there if we can just help people find them. And that's what we want to do there. You know, I think of the junking tours. Uh, There's a really great local business person that she does junking tours. She loads up a bus of women and takes them around for a day, two days. She even does week long tours. Um, Modville, Modville tours, little plug for her. Uh, And I had the opportunity to go on one of those with her once and go tour these small towns on a big, huge bus. I mean, there's literally 60 women on a bus plopped in a small town in Iowa. I mean, we went clear up to Jewel, right? Which is, to, for our listeners, oh, how far yes. away? Uh, hour and 20 minutes, yeah, probably. Yeah. So we go all the way up there and we bring a bus full of 50 women for a couple of hours. They go around, they shop, 
They stop and eat a sandwich. They stop and grab a cocktail in the afternoon, whatever they're doing. And they're there for hours on end in this town that once said we're dead. Yeah. We're dying. So sometimes it takes one business to start up and then it gains some momentum. So it doesn't have to be, there doesn't have to be a vibrant, bustling downtown district in every small town in Iowa. Earlham is another one. Rescue Junk. You know, it's a great shop that's bringing people in from all over and you can see their downtown district changing slowly, but it's changing. And I guarantee the people in that community are taking note of it. Absolutely. hopefully it continues to inspire other people to do it. it. It's happening everywhere. I feel like it's happening anywhere that somebody lets their heart take them there, you know? It's true. And that's a great way to put it. Well, Amy, this information has been invaluable. Like, I feel like this is going to really open up um, just some ideas and thoughts and opportunities for people and just things for people to think about. So thank you so much for your time. How can people get a hold of you if they have more questions about, you know, wanting to buy real estate in in the surrounding area? Google me. isn't that the answer for everything now google it um no they can uh honestly just find me online uh amy at amyluke.com is my email address a-m-y at a-m-y-l-u-c-h-t.com uh give me a buzz and this is not just it doesn't just have to be about real estate i mean i that is my career and my passion is i love to connect people with the right people the right properties. But I do have a passion for young business people. I have a network of people that are looking for opportunities. I have investors. I have creative people. So if you're just looking to bounce ideas off of off of someone, I got lots of ideas, lots and lots of ideas. So give me a shout. Um, think tanks are one of my favorite things. Coffees and just meeting with people, building that network of opportunities is something that I love to do. So give me a shout. And obviously if you're in the market to buy or sell real estate, I'm your gal. Yes. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Amy. Yes. Thank you. It's been great to have you here. Thank you. I can't wait to watch what happens with Rural Revival. It's an amazing initiative and I'm just really excited to be a part of it and really excited to see it from its little seedling. It's going to be awesome. I think so. Thanks, Amy. Thank you. Wow. It's so fun to hear about all these ideas and opportunities. We really are living in a time where we're able to work and thrive in rural communities in ways we haven't been able to do that before. I don't know about you, but it gets me pretty excited. Thank you for spending your time with us today, and I hope you leave as inspired as I am. We'll be back with more next week. Have a great day.